Welcome to His Way Women's Bible Study with Linda Anderson. His Way Ministries is an interdenominational ministry established and committed to helping you experience a dynamic relationship with God. Now here's Linda with this week's message. Welcome to His Way. It's great to see you tonight. I'm expecting more and more women to come in. And some of you were here last week. I told you we would set up differently because we are having worship from the floor tonight with Pastor Ingrid. Yay. And so a little bit different format instead of having big band up on the stage coming down here in the front to dance. There's plenty of space to dance, plenty of space to flag. And if you want, you can, well, there's very little space right here, but there's enough to lay on your face. Yeah. And, of course, the steps are good for altars. And if you are wondering why I have towels up here tonight... Anybody wondering? Yeah, we're going to we're going to baptize tonight. So, yay, yay. I'm super excited about that. So, a great night to be at his way. I am so happy you're here. In fact, I'm just so happy to be here myself. Just happy. <laughs> happy to be at his way. So are you okay with the chairs being different? You can handle this. You can, you are flexible, adaptable. You're women. You can multitask. We can do anything. Resilient. Resilient is a great word. Where did that come from? That's a great word, Lori. Yeah, resilient. We are resilient. Resilient. What is it? We bounce back. Well, that's what resilient is. Oh, by the way, for those of you who haven't heard the news, Pastor Leanna had her baby. Yay! Had baby Judah on Saturday. So baby Judah is now four days old. And he is beautiful. He's just, he's really beautiful and not fragile. He's like eight pounds. And so... He's more, wow. you know, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So more, I don't want to put any adjective on it. I'm not going to, but he's, he's beautiful. So that's where Pastor Leanna is tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready for his way? Are you ready to worship? Are you ready to fill this place with an atmosphere of faith and See God do amazing things. You're ready. All right. Well, we're going to pray. Let's look at the Lord. (laughs) Let's look up at him and turn our gaze on him and look at his beauty and his majesty and his glory. Oh, Oh, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Lord Jesus, you have captivated our hearts. Oh, Lord, with your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, you you want this night the way it's fashioned, 
Lord, you want the chairs like this. You want Ingrid to lead in worship. Lord, you want us to get free. Oh, God, you want to do something great in us tonight. And so, Lord, we say yes. Holy Spirit, come. We say yes. We say do what you want. Lord, this is your way. This is his way. This is your way. So do what you want. Lord, take off the fear. Oh, God, take off fear off of us. Lord, take off insecurities. Lord, take away the comparisons. Father, help us to not look around and measure ourselves. Oh, God, help us to just become, come before you and see your pleasure. Oh, yes, Lord. Would you say, thank you, Lord, for my precious life? For my precious life. Thank you, Father. Oh, good. Yes, Lord. Thank you for our precious lives. Oh, God, we receive our lives as a gift from you. Yeah, just tell him, I receive my life as a gift from you, oh, God. Tell him he did a great job when he made you. Lord, you did a great job when you made me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Boy, that changed the atmosphere. Thank wow. Lord. Thanks, Thank Lord. Lord. Yes. Lord, for the ones, for the women in this place who were who didn't want to say that, who it just felt untrue or, or um, egotistic or whatever it was, Lord, hmm. let's give them another chance. Yeah. Lord, you did a great job when you made me. You Would you tell you him me, you Lord. did a great Thank job, you, Lord? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thanks, Lord. Okay, Father. Now, would you just change us from head to toe? In the name of Jesus. So be it. Wow. Wowee. Wowee, man. Woman. He's loving all over you. <laughs> what else? Open heavens. Open heavens. The Lord was a tuning fork, tuning us into unity. Yes. Yes, he's the great conductor. That's what I felt too, like it's like the upper room. Like we got to experience some of what it was like in the upper room in Acts. Somebody else? <laughs> Your testimony is so big and large that we got to have time for it. Oh, she's bursting. Manny, you know what? A bunch of you are bursting. Yeah, God is, he is doing such amazing, amazing things. Don't need a big production. Keep it pure and simple. Wow. Wow. Worship is all about him, not about us. Yeah, it's good. Wow. We could be in the car, sitting down. Yeah, with him. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. I know he has healing tonight. I felt him going out with healing virtue. Yeah. So I'm expecting 
testimonies of healing and um, big healings, big and little, both, all kinds of healings. So I expect that tonight because of this atmosphere of faith and this place of open heaven. I just want to call on so many people. I know you have a big testimony. Yes, yes, Pastor Carol. (laughs) Before Mary Lewis said pure earlier, I just, Lord kept saying, just pure intimacy, pure intimacy. So the Lord said, I set before you tonight pure life. And I'm delighted that you drank it in. And there's more. Keep drinking because pure life is flowing in this place tonight. Praise God. That was good. Yeah. Well, why don't we just in this atmosphere of faith before we transition and continue in an atmosphere of faith. um, Why don't you pray for those around you? If you feel uncomfortable praying out loud, if you feel like um, if it's new to you or you don't um, want to right now, don't, okay? But if you can, gather with at least three or four so that you don't feel funny if you remain quiet and then pray for each other for blessing and healing so just just turn to those right around you pray for blessing and healing for each other if you don't know one another tell your names tell each other your names and then just just pray for that blessing and that healing you've only got like one minute so do it fast I was standing here wondering why there are so many empty seats, and then the door opened, and I saw a crowd back there at the food. <laughs> Last week, for those of you who are here at His Way, I told you that this week I would tell you something that the Lord revealed to me that will be really helpful for you and really brought change for me. So I want to start off with that, and then we will jump into that outline that talks about this amazing shield that you have. You have a shield around you from God, and this shield is so powerful and protective that if you even got a glimpse of how amazing it is, you would not be scared ever again. Yeah, I want you to see it. May the Lord open our eyes to see his protection and that shield and how powerful the name of Jesus really is. You know, we've heard Jesus. We've heard his name, many of us, all our lives. And may his name never grow old. I love the focus that you put on his name tonight, Pastor Ingrid, during the worship. Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ is Lord. And his name truly does break chains, truly does deliver people from sickness, truly does make change, bring change. But the problem is, is that we have to combine his name with faith. And we have to understand that when we speak his name, that we're not just uttering syllables. We're not just saying Um, little symbols that make a word. 
then we are actually dragging the very character of Almighty God into his name and proclaiming his character. The ancients knew that when you spoke a name, that that name carried the very character and essence of the person whose name it was. We've lost that in the modern world and in the Western world. But the ancients knew that when they spoke the name of God, in fact, they didn't, it was too holy to even speak his name because it was so powerful, carried so much weight that it caused people to tremble at his name. And so may we never, ever lose the, the, um, the glory and the wonder and the magnificence and the essence of who he is, Jesus Christ the Lord. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you pronounce his name Yeshua like they do in Israel or you pronounce it Jesus as we do here or Jesus as they do in Spanish-speaking nations or the other ways that his name is pronounced across our globe, our planet. It doesn't matter to him. You don't have to say it exactly right as long as you are really, truly calling on the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the cross of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who upholds all things by the word of his power, Jesus Jesus. His name is Jesus. And Jesus Christ is Lord. We will, we will push back that spirit of Antichrist as we proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord. It just feel good to say it right now, just to proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord over our city. Jesus Christ is Lord over our bodies. Jesus Christ is Lord over our schools. Jesus Christ is Lord over our nation. Jesus Christ is Lord over this planet. He bought it with his blood. He is Lord. He is the Lord. (sighs) Jesus. (laughs) Oh, so many stories are going through my head right now. I want to tell you. I just need to tell you what I'm supposed to instead of going off with extra stories. Would you turn, <laughs> thanks. Would you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 46, verse 10? Anybody know it right off the top of your head? Yeah, a couple of you know what this, this verse is. This is a really important verse. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now this verse right here where the Lord tells us to be still and know that he is God. I have never understood why the second part of it was there. I like the first part where it says, be still and know that I'm God. I memorized that a long time ago. I've used it as my sword 
When I'm all flustered or upset, I will tell myself, be still and know that he is God. But the second part of this verse, I've never really had revelation about it. I've always felt like it just didn't kind of fit because he says, be still, know that I am God. And then he goes on to tell us that he's going to be exalted in the nations and over all the planet. And I've never understood why it went from me personally to the whole globe. And so recently the Lord gave me some freedom that I didn't have before. You know what? As long as we live, he's going to continue to try to give us freedom. He's going to work to get chains off of us, to eradicate unbelief systems that we have taken in as truth or logic or intelligence. (laughs) I remember one time I had an older woman speak at his way in Oregon. She was 86. Not that that's old. No, no. She was 86. And I remember when she was speaking, she told us that she hadn't arrived yet, that she still had struggles and problems and all these issues. And I remember slumping in my chair and going, oh, man. I was, I was a lot younger then, and I thought, surely I was going to arrive someday, and I'd have it all together. <laughs> and I was so bummed to hear that she was still, God was still working on her. Well, I anticipate a whole lot more freedom for me in the future, for you, for us. God is doing such good things with our um, minds, our brains, our um, souls. So, the Lord. Many years ago, when I was... Um, probably, I don't know, I was pretty young, probably not even an adolescent, maybe eight, nine years old. An evangelist came to our church, and he was speaking about how we were to win people to the Lord, how we were to go out and evangelize, how we were to give testimony and, and be about the Father's business. And he told a story I remember that night, this story so clearly, because as he told that story, condemnation and guilt came into me that has been there for many years and just recently got eradicated. He told the story. He said, okay, let's say that you are walking down the street in your neighborhood and you glance over and your neighbor's house is on fire. He said, you see flames in the window and the house is on fire. And he said, and you just keep walking by instead of running up to that house and pounding on the door and saying, your house is on fire. Save your, and saving their lives, you know, getting them to, to wake up or whatever it is, why they don't know their house is on fire. And, and he said, if you're walking down the street and you see that house on fire, And you just keep walking? He said, you just sent them to hell. He said, because it's the same thing as what's going on in your neighborhood right now. 
He said, your neighbors are bound for hell. They are bound for the flames of hell. And if you don't go tell them, they're going to go to hell. And it's going to be your fault. Now, some of you have had similar things. It may not have been that exact story, but you've had, you've had people who, preachers, evangelists, whoever, speak over you and instill this thing in you that unless I get out there and tell people, they're all going to go to hell and it's going to be my fault. Consequently, what happened to me is that I, I just, I did some really dumb things. Like <laughs> one of the dumbest ones was I was on an airplane. Tom and I were going to Hawaii and there was a young couple I was sitting next to and they were newlyweds and they were totally enjoying each other's company, just having the greatest time going to Hawaii for their honeymoon. And I harassed them for four hours about giving their lives to the Lord. They were so mad by the time they got off that flight because I felt compelled that if I didn't get them saved on that flight, the plane could crash. they go to hell. Motivated by guilt. Motivated by terror. Scared to death that if I didn't do it right, that people around me were going to burn in hell. It wasn't until Tom and I started traveling globally, I don't know, 20 years ago, that I began to see what God was doing in the lives of people without me. Even last summer when we were in Africa and that, that blind man, God opened his eyes and gave him sight. Even then, I didn't initiate it. I was just there. I was available. I went because God wanted me to go to Africa. And that night, someone came and got me and said, come, come pray for this blind man. And so I went over and prayed for him because somebody pulled me over there to pray for him. And as I laid my hands on him, then the Lord began to just give me this great love for him and the love of God just poured down. And after an hour, God opened his eyes and he, he received his sight and his pupils formed. And doctor came in the next day and documented that this man had received his sight, blind eyes opened. I didn't initiate it at all. When I was in India, in Hubli, this little, well, they call it a village, you know, it's only like probably 200,000 people. Um, This little village in Hubli, India, and we were in a hotel, if you could call it a hotel, And the manager of that hotel was interested in why we were there. She was a Brahmin, highest caste in the Hindu religion. Very, very proud, beautiful woman. And she saw light in Tom and me. 
And after almost 10 days of us being there, she asked if she could visit me in the night. She wanted to sneak into my room in the darkness and hear about Jesus. I didn't do anything except for go. That woman came into my room that night, my hotel room, and ended up receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. Of course, changed her life and destiny. Wow. Pastor Theodore, the pastor who's over our Hisway Children's Home in Bangalore, India, I didn't do anything to hook up with him. No. I just went to India, and God put a spotlight on this young man, Stanley, who became our adopted son. And through Stanley and through he and who he ended up marrying, the father-in-law we met, he became the, the one who formed the orphanage there for us. All we did was go and then talk to him and then fund it. <laughs> I didn't initiate it. I had this dream in my heart to open an orphanage and There was no way under, I mean, under the sun. There was no way that I could make that happen. But God did. He's the one who did it. We were in Israel. Our guide, Errol Lee, really, really hard Jewish man, um, very angry. Um, As we toured with him those two weeks This isn't the trip we went on. This is the one before that. As we toured with Errol Lee, he was not open in any way to hearing about Jesus, the Messiah. Well, one day we were in in the temple. We were listening to a rabbi. And the rabbi was talking about the lineage of David. And he was talking about how Messiah would come from the line of David. And there's a crowd there, and I raised my hand, and he called on me. He was sorry later. <laughs> I raised my hand, he called on me, and I said, I'm, excuse me, Rabbi, I don't mean to be making any kind of trouble, but can you tell me where the line of David is that this Messiah is coming through? The rabbi kind of um, he looked like he wasn't very comfortable. And he said, well, we've lost the line of David. I said, well, then how will you know when Messiah comes? And he said, well, we won't. And I said, well, what if he already came? <laughs> well, our guide, Errol Lee, was there for that. And he heard the conversation. And all of a sudden, something clicked on in his brain. And he started thinking, what if? Two days later, we were in a store. And everyone was shopping for last-minute items. And Errol Lee called me over to a corner of the store, just the two of us. And he whispered to me very quietly. He said, Sometimes in the night, I wonder 
I just, I just, I just start thinking, what if Jesus were the Messiah? (laughs) I didn't do that. I didn't do it. No, God's coming to him and speaking to him in the night. The woman on the plane to Singapore, the one who got saved, turbulent. God does that really often in airplanes. It gets real turbulent. Because then the person next to you, you can say, are you scared? And usually they'll say, well, yeah, I don't like this. And then you can say, you can have peace. And then you have a conversation. Well, I didn't put that young woman next to me in that airplane. And I didn't make the air turbulent. But I fell into a conversation. That young woman ended up giving her heart to Jesus. And she told me, many of you know the story, how Jesus had appeared to her in a dream. And he was so beautiful, and she was so drawn to him. I didn't do that. You see, when we are still and we know that he is God, he will exalt himself above the nations. And all we have to do is be available and go. Now, Acts chapter 8 tonight is all about people. Who, what they simply did, they just simply went. Like Philip. In this chapter, chapter 8, Philip was, he was in Jerusalem and persecution had broken out against the church. And there they were. This intense persecution were introduced to Saul, who will become Paul who is dragging people out of their houses and throwing them in jail. And this young man, Philip, is just, he's just, he's with the disciples. They're doing what humans do. They're probably talking and eating and living. And yet, throughout Acts, you will find that we are told many times that the Holy Spirit fell on people. He fell on them. <laughs> Can you picture this? He fell on them. Holy Spirit fell on them. They were just walking along, minding their own business. Holy Spirit falls on them. <laughs> So Philip, he believes that God's speaking to him and God's telling him to go down to take the south road out of Jerusalem toward Gaza. Well, Gaza is more to the west, but he's taking the south road down to Gaza. So Holy Spirit is speaking to his heart. How many times have you had an inkling that you should do something or go somewhere? And you thought, oh, it's just something I ate. (laughs) World market. (laughs) He's always speaking to us, directing us, 
You know, you'll be driving. Have you ever, we've done this. This is one of the funnest things in the whole world, one of the scariest big crises of faith. You say, okay, Lord, we're going to get in the car and we're just going to drive. You tell us when to turn, where to turn, when to go straight ahead, and you just follow Holy Spirit. Oh, it's incredible. Did you, some of you have heard the story that Tom tells about God leading um, a friend straight to the house of this guy who's just about to leave his wife and intervening. And they had just been praying at the church that this guy wouldn't leave his wife. And then our friend, this evangelist, leaves the church and God starts telling him where to drive. Ends up at, it was a trailer, ended up at this trailer, went and knocked on the door and said, excuse me, but God told me to come. And it's the guy who's going to leave his wife. He ends up getting saved and they're reconciled. And what if we live like that? So Philip, God tells Philip to take this road. And Philip takes this road. And while he's going... He runs into this eunuch. There's a eunuch who is reading the scripture out loud. Psalm 53, Isaiah 53, Psalm 53, Isaiah 53. Which one? Isaiah 53. So he's reading. Now, in the ancient world, you need to know that they usually read aloud. Now, why is that? Because the word of God has power. What else? What? Because not everyone can read. More. Thank you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you read it out loud, it increases your faith. So in the ancient world, they knew that it was the living voice. So you read out loud. So he's reading out loud from Isaiah 53. Philip hears him and he calls over to him in his chariot and he calls up to him and he says, Hey, do you know what you're reading? And the eunuch says, well, how could I understand this unless somebody tells me? And then he invites Philip to get into the chariot and to explain it to him. Philip gets up in the chariot, tells him what he's, reading what it's about, who it's about. It's about Jesus Christ going to the cross. And so he explains it to him. The unit gets saved, and then he spots some water, and he says, hey, there's water over there. Can I be baptized? And so they stop. They baptize the eunuch. And then Philip is translated All of a sudden, he disappears, and he ends up 44 miles away. (laughs) Now, if you were in some of my classes where I teach physics, you would know that I've taught on how the transporter beam is actually becoming a reality. We don't, right now, for those of you who have watched Star Trek, and you've seen the transporter beam, it's not going to be like that. Right now, we can only... Transport a particle 
and the particle does not necessarily come in the way that it started. <laughs> and we also need more energy. We need to be able to create um, a source of more energy because it takes a tremendous amount of energy to transport. However, we are understanding better the technology. It will happen eventually. I hope it happens in my lifetime. Philip was, he was taken from one place to another by the Spirit of God. Is your life dull? Do you want some more adventure? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did in Acts 8, he wants to do now. Now, I wanted to tell you a really important story, and yet it is 829, and we are still caught in time and space. I want to tell you a story. When you come back in two weeks, that has absolutely um, undone me. Um, it is a story that's so great and so amazing that um, that it will catapult you forward as well. I know you want to hear it. I want to tell it to you. I wish we had time. But I don't want to cut it short. Would any of you like to know what the blanks are on your outline? <laughs> I'm going to give them to you, and then you'll have to read through all the great quotes later. Number one, sometimes we get things backwards and think that life being trouble-free will make for a better existence. However... Number two, you have a shield, and it is very, very strong. It is called the shield of? Good job, faith. Number three, a purpose and a focus from God will carry you further than a comfortable chair. Number four, it takes willingness and bravery to change the world like the Acts Christians did. Number five, our study in Acts is not for the faint-hearted. In this chapter eight, there are demons yelling and there's a sorcerer. Jesus is bigger. Number six, you just get to read. And number seven, I have to explain quickly to you. All right, here's the deal. I'm going to tell you something really quickly and then elaborate on it, hopefully more later. Before Jesus came, there were exorcists. There were people who drove out demons. There were sorcerers like this man, Simon, that you will read about in chapter 8 as you do your homework. Now, the problem with back then, and I told you this a little bit about it, Dory, on Sunday. The problem was is that it was like playing musical chairs. The sorcerers, the exorcists, they would drive out a demon but it didn't stay gone. It would come back. Some of you have wondered why you get rid of an infirmity and then it comes back. I want to help you with that, and I'll do that hopefully in the weeks to come. But let me give you a little bit more for right now. 
When Jesus Christ came and he told his disciples to cast out demons, and when Jesus cast out the demons, they didn't come back. It was radical for the people of that day because there was change. When Jesus cast out the demons, the legion, many demons out of that man of the Gadarenes, when he cast those demons out, they didn't come back. When he cast out the spirit of infirmity out of the woman, it didn't come back. This was a huge change. Now, I'll just give you a tiny, tiny bit more, and um, this will help us fill in that last blank. I was listening to uh, um, a teaching by a man who used to be a high priest in the Satanist church, and they were interviewing him, and they were asking him, how to keep the demons from coming back because he had been one who had um, cast spells who had been a wizard who had done the exorcisms and also enabled the demonic so they were asking him this question and it was so interesting because this man was a catholic this former satanist priest and this is what he said He said, you don't have to go to an exorcist because if you'll just go to confession, it is a mini exorcism. I loved it. The Catholics go to confessional because Jesus said, confess your sins to one another and be healed. And by going to confession and obeying the word of truth in the Bible, You get a mini exorcism and the demons that are harassing you leave. Every week here at His Way, we have a mini exorcism with our prayer team. If we were to admit that we are being harassed by insecurity, we are being harassed by poverty, we are being harassed by sickness, we are being harassed by comparison. And these things, if we were to admit that those things were actually the demonic harassing us, we would run for a mini exorcism every time the prayer team's available. (laughs) We're going to get more humble, more transparent, and more free, and more unified. we're desperate we've got to have a move of God we've got to we've got to we've got to okay I really do have to quit now it's 8.36 and you've got 4 minutes to get your kids Um, we are about to baptize Debbie right over here so if you can stay if you want to jump in the tub I have extra towels We can baptize you as well. Remember, two weeks from tonight, make sure you bring a friend because God is doing something. And we we just want to stir up as many women as we can with the good news of the kingdom. Now, Father, I ask that you would um, just bless Debbie's socks off.
<laughs> do you have socks yeah <laughs> so Lord <laughs> thank you Father Father if any fear came in with me talking about the demonic realm Lord may we obey your word even as you said that we are not to be afraid of it and so Father help us to be brave and courageous and bold and to be about your business and Holy Spirit fall on us anytime you want Lord anywhere you want yes Lord now Father give these women good dreams good sleep give them visions from you Father, help them to have such shalom, such trust in you.